I'm going to pray and then get into the word for this morning. Dear God, I thank you that you are always with us and that you're here with us now to comfort us, to convict us, to touch our hearts, to allow us to hear from you. Lord, I pray that as your word is spoken, that it's 100% you and 0% me. In your name I pray. Amen. So, just a little different this morning. Um, as I was just asked to come and speak a few weeks ago, and um, today is Independence Day, July 4th. If you didn't know that, maybe you should have a picnic or something later. I don't know. Whatever you do on July 4th is what you should do. Um, and I'm not like a huge history person. Um, terrible current events. Um, I'm just not good at it. But as I was thinking about this morning and coming here, for whatever reason on my drives to work and different things, I was just meditating on today, on Independence Day. And just what happened on this day in 1776. And, and what led up to it? How did it come to be? Um, and just the different people who were involved. I mean, starting with the first casualty, considered the first casualty of the Revolutionary War, um, Crispus Attucks. Yes, I looked that up because, again, I'm not a history buff. But that's who they say was the first casualty of the American Revolution. And he basically stood up to some British soldiers, which then caused the Boston Massacre. Maybe that's ringing some bells from um, grade school history classes. I don't know. Um, and then the, the Continental Congresses that met to discuss what was going on with Great Britain and the changes that they wanted to make here and just all the different people were, who were involved with that. With Thomas Jefferson being tasked to write the first draft of the Declaration of Independence, and then all these people who came alongside him and edited it, and that document being approved on July 4th, 1776. I've just been meditating on that and all the people who were involved with that. And here's what I came to realize. I came to realize that that had to take a great deal of courage. It had to take a great deal of courage to go through doing all of those different things because they were declaring their independence from a government that at least supplied some things for them, right? It had to be a scary thing, right? I don't think that Crispus Attucks set out to be the first casualty of the American Revolution, but he decided that what they were doing wasn't going to, to stand, so he stood up to them. So courage. All the people that I mentioned, and the people who weren't mentioned but were a part of it, they had courage, a great deal of courage to stand up for something that they felt was right. And courage is defined as this. It's defined as the ability to do something in the face of fear. Courage is defined as the ability to do something in the face of fear. And just as those founding fathers had courage to make a difference around them, um, 
there's plenty of examples in the Bible of people who have great deals of courage. And just to be clear, we're talking about courage this morning, if you haven't heard me say it enough times yet. Um, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 23 this morning. It's where the majority of our um, text is going to come from. And this person, really, we're going to look at one person in this, in this chapter. This person that we're going to look at, um, I honestly hadn't really come across him until again, a few weeks ago, and um, then as I read about him, he's really known for one thing, but then as you dig a little deeper, there's more to him than is just written here, which is pretty cool. The context here is David is listing his mighty men of valor. Okay, David is listing his mighty men of valor. These different people that David... Um, put in charge of different things, who were filled with courage to stand up to people and to help him get through as he was king. So, as this list goes on, and if you've never read this, this passage, um, 2 Samuel 23, it's really interesting to read and just think about all the different people who are listed here. Um, full disclosure, the beginning of this chapter, there's a guy, I don't remember his name because they're all kind of weird, there's a guy, and he kills like 800 people by himself, is what the text tells us. And I was like, wow, that's intense. And then I kept reading, and there's another guy, and he killed 300 people by himself. And I went, eh. <laughs> Still pretty amazing, right? Anyway, just making sure you're awake. Um, cool. So we're going to read this text, and then we're going to rewind and go through it um, verse by verse. So 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20, says this, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Castile who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian, Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the Egyptian's spear, sorry, he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty men. He was held in great honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. It's pretty amazing, right? Benaiah. Some pretty cool things. Let's rewind to the beginning of this. I have three points because I'm a good preacher this Sunday and they have three points. Um, I have three points to go through. Um, the first one comes from the beginning of this, 2 Samuel 23, verse 20. Just the first part. It says this, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel. So we know this about Benaiah, that he's the son of Jehoiada. Okay? Jehoiada um, might not sound familiar to you, but maybe it does. I don't know. Um, Jehoiada was the leading priest of Judah, and 
he led and protected Joash into being king when um, Queen Athelia was being wicked. Remember that story? Jehoiada is the one, Benaiah's father is the one, who had the courage to stand up to this queen who set out to be queen by making sure there was no kings, no princes, basically, to take over kingship. I'm going to read from um, 2 Chronicles 23, verse 1 through 3. You can turn there if you want to, but you don't have to. It says this, In the seventh year, Jehoiada, again, that's Benaiah's father, Jehoiada showed his strength. He made a covenant with the commanders of units of a hundred, and it goes on to say what he did. In my Bible, it says Jehoiada showed his strength. Other translations, including, I think, the ESV, says Jehoiada showed courage. Jehoiada had courage. Benaiah had courage. So here's the first thing that I noticed from this passage. I noticed that courage is patriarchal. Or courage is passed down. Right? If we have courage, then maybe our family will have courage. Or if we have a good example of courage, then maybe we can follow in the footsteps of courage. Courage starts in us by seeing godly examples of courage, which means that we should also be godly examples of courage for other people. Okay? Courage starts by seeing godly examples, and we should be godly examples of it. The next thing is this. I'm going to continue in verse 20, partway through. It says this, Who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. So, uh, Benaiah saw his dad's courage, but his dad's courage wasn't going to do anything for him. Right? We have to have our own personal courage as we go about our Christian lives as well. So what did Benaiah do? Well, it says he struck down two of Moab's champions. And some translations say that these champions were lion-like, meaning they were strong and brave. Right? Your champion, think of the story of David and Goliath. Right? Goliath was the champion of that army. Well, this guy, Benaiah, took down two champions, not just one, right? He killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day, which is also just interesting to me. Um, some, some translations uh, also say that he chased a lion into a pit and killed it on a snowy day. Again, if I'm chasing a lion and it's running away from me, my job's done. The lion's gone, Right? <laughs> Don't need to do anything more. It's not enough for Benaiah, who has a great deal of courage. He recognizes that the lion could come back. Right? The lion's already here in the camp, or whatever reason he had for killing this lion. We're not told. Um, you have to kill it so it doesn't come back. Right? You have to have the courage to stand up to it and take it down. There's 
as, as I studied this, I really wanted to know why. Why? What was the goal here, Benaiah? Why, why were you killing a lion in a pit snowy day? I don't understand. Um, so I really, really searched all these different commentaries and people who are a lot smarter than I am, and they all had really interesting and cool ideas. But here's the conclusion I came to. It's not written here in Scripture, so apparently we don't know, and that's okay. Um, but I do know that it takes courage to do that. The third thing that Benaiah did that's listed here, he says he killed an Egyptian who was huge. Um, if you look in 1 Chronicles 11.23, it also talks about Benaiah there. It says this Egyptian was five cubits tall. And you're like, all right. Sorry, I don't use cubits anymore. Could you tell me what that is? Seven feet tall. He was about seven feet tall. So this Egyptian who was huge, Benaiah killed him. I'm like, okay, well, there's these other champions you just told us who killed 800 guys and 300 guys. What's so cool about that? Well, I think it's pretty interesting that it says specifically that the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah had a club. Okay, It's like bringing a uh, knife to a gunfight. It's not really going to turn out well for the person with the knife. Um, the Egyptian had a spear, and the spear was a... Um, where is it? Spear was a weaver's beam. A weaver's beam was like a five-foot-long spear. Benaiah, again, had a club. And he took the spear with the club and was able to take down this seven-foot-tall Egyptian with his own weapon. So in each of these situations, Benaiah had to have courage, right? He had to have his own personal courage. His father had great courage, but his father's courage wasn't going to do anything for him in these situations. He had to have his own personal courage. It makes me think about the different people. Um, this is an aside that I'm thinking about right now, so this one's free. Um, it makes me think about the people who you ask if they're a believer, and they're like, oh yeah, I grew up in the church. Yeah, my parents, they prayed for our meals, so I do that too. Yeah, well, if you haven't made it personal for yourself, that's not going to do anything for you. We have to place our own faith, our own trust in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. It's not about what our parents did. It's not about what our best friends do. It's not about what the people around us do. It's our own personal faith. This is our own personal courage that we're called to have. Benaiah had to know that God is bigger than any of these situations that God led him to. So courage grows by knowing that God is bigger than any situation we come across and acting in that knowledge. There's an interesting um, thing that Job says in Job 37.5. Job 37.5, talking about God, says this, says, God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. Have you ever been just 
felt called to do something. I don't know what it was. Just felt called to do something. And you knew that it was God leading you to do that thing. But you just sort of stepped away or made an excuse and just didn't do that thing. God's voice is bigger than our situations. If God is leading us to do something, we can trust that whatever happens through that thing is going to be the correct outcome. We have to have courage to walk through these things that scare us. The last point that I have that comes from Benaiah is that there are some results when we place when we have courage in these different things. Second Samuel 23, verse 22 and 23. So such were the exploits of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty men. He was held in greater honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And here's the point. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. So, from what I've read in commentaries and understood, it sounds like David heard about Benaiah's courage. David saw Benaiah's resume, heard who his father was, heard that he killed um, the two Moabite champions, heard that he killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. It's fun for me to think about it being snowy, because for whatever reason in my mind, snow and the Bible don't go together. I don't, I don't know. It's a big region that the Bible happened in. There was snow in places. But in my mind, I've never been there. There's no snow. Anyway. And he took down the huge Egyptian. Right? And David saw these things and said, Huh, I wonder who I want in charge of my bodyguard. Do I want the person who saw these things, who saw the lion and chased it away and said, Lion's gone. Or do I want the guy who said, no, I'll get the lion? David said, I want the person in charge of my bodyguard who has the courage to take down the lion, not just chase it away. So the result of Benaiah's courage is that he's placed in charge of David's bodyguard. And if we turn over to First um, Kings, and this is when um, Solomon is going to start taking over for David as king, um, we then read and see, you can do this later, but if you read the beginning of 1 Kings, you'll see that Solomon um, becomes king after David. And then in 1 Kings chapter 2, Benaiah is placed as commander-in-chief over Solomon's army. So the result of Benaiah's courage is that he's lifted up to these positions that God had for him. Because he had courage. Because he followed through on his courage, he was lifted up to these positions. Now, I just want to be clear that I'm not preaching like a weird name it, claim it, prosperity thing that says if you have courage, then you're going to have all this stuff. But what I'm saying is, is that God's word does not return void for us. So if we have courage, if God is leading us to do something and we follow through, we can know that whatever the outcome was God's outcome. Sometimes we fail, even when God leads us to do something, because we were supposed to learn from the failure. (laughs) 
And sometimes we are lifted up to these other things because God has something greater in store for us. So the third point is that courage leads us to see the power of God in our everyday lives. So from Benaiah's example, we learn that we must have and we must be godly examples of courage. We must know that God is bigger than any situation, and we must act in that knowledge with courage. And the third thing is, in, through our courage, we will see the power of God in our lives. So, what does this mean for us? This means that we need to follow God with courage into every situation that he leads us to. I think I shared last time I was here in February about um, the church that we're a part of. Kayla, Micah, myself. And this was a church plant last August. If you would have asked me um, a year ago or two years ago, hey, do you want to be a part, uh, a part of a church plant? I'd be like, no, no thanks. <laughs> sounds messy and sounds scary. Um, no thanks. But as we felt, my wife and I felt God's leading and saw his hand moving us there, we felt that it was good to do. It wasn't easy to do. We had to have courage in doing it, and courage to keep doing it, <laughs> but we had to have courage to do it. My favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is Joshua 1.9. It says, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged, because God is with you every step you take. And that's a cool verse. But here's the more interesting thing about that passage in Joshua. Joshua is about to take over control. And God is actually speaking to Joshua in that passage where Joshua 9 comes from. In Joshua 1.9, when God says, be strong and courageous, that's the third time that he said that in that passage. God also says that in verse 6 and verse 7, to be strong and and courageous. He's constantly telling Joshua, listen, this is going to be hard. You're, you don't even know what you're going to face, but it's going to be hard. And you need to be strong and courageous. Now, at the beginning, I said that courage is the ability to do something in the face of fear. But I think courage as a Christian is deeper than that. I think courage as a Christian is what John Piper says. He says this. He says, Courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly cost. Because God promised to help you and save you on account of Christ. John Piper wrote that. And I think that that is a much better definition for us as believers. Courage isn't doing something in the face of fear. Courage is, for us, doing something because we know who God is and that he's bigger than the thing. It's not our own strength. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 through 14 says this, Be on your guard. 
stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. So, I think that this word is either a comfort or a conviction. And as I thought about it, I wasn't sure which. So I think it could be both. <laughs> really depends on where you are, right? So some questions I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Think about your own life. In what areas do you need to start trusting God? Where do you need to have the courage to trust God? Where do you need to step up and be courageous because God has already promised you victory? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this word. Lord, I pray for the hearts who are feeling convicted right now. I pray that you would show them in a powerful way where they're supposed to move in courage. That's the prayer for my own heart, God. Lord, I pray for those who live continuously courageous lives. Thank you for their strength. Thank you for their courage. And I just pray that they would continue to see you in every aspect of their everyday lives. Lord, I thank you for the godly examples of courage in Scripture. I thank you for godly examples of courage in our own lives. As we go from here, I pray that we continue to worship you, that we don't think of this time as song and of your word and of announcements as that was worship, now I can go about my day. But we continue to worship as we go. Be with us, and I thank you for this time. In your name I pray. Amen. And you're dismissed. I was given that authority.